I'm mean. Here we go, guys. Year two of The Well Podcast, and we are so ready to have you guys back. Back for the live event, back to the podcast, back to 2019. Incidentally, at our last live The Well event, we had a full-blown packed house, so stay tuned for a room change. It's the sophomore season, so on to a new space. Also, to everyone that hit play on this podcast, nicely done, my friends, because you are about to have the best time listening to the next story we have for you. My girl, Amon, just slayed this interview and got so real with so much poise and with so much laughter and personality. On my very best day, I'm not sure I've ever nailed that combo quite as well as she does here. Amon is our youngest guest yet, and I'm personally so thankful that she shared. Iman is just out of college, a fresh graduate, fresh meat, and she is nowhere near at the end of her story. Her story is still going. Guys, hear me say, it is hard to get up there and share your story, to share the mistakes you've made and own up to them. And it is hard to share when you are smack in the middle of it. Women that know her and love her, I ask that you love her hard right now. She did a big thing. And if you think you can't learn anything from a 23-year-old, I challenge you to hear her first and then decide. And by the way, for our baby boomers and Gen X friends out there, Iman says lit, and it's fine. Nothing is on fire. Lit is a good thing. It probably sits in the family tree of groovy, rad, awesome, lit. Just a little generation translation for your listening pleasure. I'm kind of like that paperclip that used to pop up on Microsoft Word. Maybe his name was Clippy. Some of you may even still have one of those first versions of Microsoft Office, and you for sure needed some help with Lit. Great. Now there are going to be a bunch of millennials confused about Clippy. But Clippy was real people, and he was fabulous. Here we are, friends. Let's start up 2019 with Iman. My name is Iman. I'm from Gaffney, South Carolina. It's Gaffrica. And yeah, I'm... Iman is our youngest guest at the well, which is amazing. Um, But it was something that she was a little bit nervous about when we first asked her. Yeah. And why? I'm 23, uh, and Aaron asked me, like, when I was 22, and I was... And (laughs) yes, so long ago. But I was really afraid. I was like, I feel like I'm three years old. I feel like a child. And I was really nervous because I felt like all the women who shared at the well, it was awesome. It impacted me so much. But I looked at them and I felt like their lives were more established in that, you know, they could air their dirty laundry, but like they already had a husband and kids. So that, like, (laughs) it's fine. And then I'm like, oh, like, if yeah. I get exposed now, like, there's no future for me. But, um, <laughs> but you know, there's scripture about don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Yes. And so um, you're setting an example, and we're proud of you. Um, so you, you're from Gaffney, but you're not originally from Gaffney. So where are you originally from? So I moved to Gaffney when I was seven uh, with my family from New York. Okay. Uh, we were from Brooklyn. Okay. And so what brought you to Gaffney? So, uh, 
So my parents worked really close to where 9-11 happened, and after that, they kind of, they lost their jobs, and uh, we didn't stay much longer after that. We kind of just left Gaffney and left New York, and my father had family in Gaffney, and so we just moved to South Carolina. Yeah, but that's a huge culture shock, Brooklyn to Gaffney. Yes. It no was, offense to Gaffney. No offense to Gaffrica, but it was a huge, huge culture shock. I was like... What was that like for you, like, immediately? It was really hard. It was, like, I was, like, seven, and I had come from a place where everyone, like, looked different. There were tons of things happening, and the things that I was noticed for in New York were not the things that I was noticed for in Gaffney. And I just remember people just like thought I was like, they're like, are you Jamaican? I'm like, no. Like they just, they just didn't even know like where I was, like they couldn't pinpoint, they, I was just very different. I stuck out like a sore thumb. And also New York was super diverse. Yeah. And so I was, I mean, I was near my cousins and like they look like me and I was like near other people and it was just very diverse. And then coming to Gaffney, it was like, you're different. Who are you? Where are you from? Yeah. Um, what was your family life like? Yeah. My family life was hard. So my dad was an alcoholic, like a really severe, severe alcoholic, like drank every day, every minute. I probably couldn't tell you what he was like sober until like middle school. Like I didn't know the difference because I never saw the difference. So he drank a lot and it was really, it was scary. Like my house was like, it just it was like terror. Um, you know, you're a kid, so you're like having so much fun. Everything's super lit because you're a kid, and you're like, I'm a kid. I can see the uses words, and I'm like, if that came out of my mouth, y'all would be like, did she say that super lit? I don't know, but you're you're a kid, so you you you're like just you just have this joy about like having a child, like being a child, and you know doing those things, but just pretty terror. Like uh, my dad, he would just get really drunk and. Um, he would just like terrorize us basically. Like uh, there were days where, um, there were days that I feel like I remember them like in a red filter, like that's how scary they were. And like, you know, just feeling like, okay, we need to leave. Like he's hitting mom, he's like hitting us. And I feel like I'm not gonna make it out of this. And- You had siblings? Yeah, I have three siblings. I have two sisters and a brother. And so at the time, it was just me and my sisters. So my dad was always something that, like, we were, like, trying to escape. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. How old were you when you realized that your family life looked different than what people outside of your home thought it looked like? I, I was probably in, like, elementary school. I had already moved to Gaffney at that point, And uh, there was a lot to notice about how different I was when I got to Gaffney and I started to see, okay, like people like their homes, like they, they like their dads, they see them, they, I, I could just tell that everyone, I, I knew, I figured out like this isn't normal mm-hmm. because we kept it a secret. So it's like, that's another reason it's like to, to think like, oh, this isn't normal because when I go to church, I can't talk about this. Like, so I, like, I loved church growing up, like church was my thing, like, if, if church was a sport, I was varsity. Like, church was, church was my thing. And um, at church, it was like, this is what I did at church. And, and the way we lived at home, 
we were just, I was trying to pretend like it wasn't happening. Yeah. So every time the church doors would, would open, I was at church. I was that kid. How did you do that? Like, how, what did you do to pretend like it wasn't happening? Well, I just, obviously, like, I looked at the problems of, like, the other kids and the people around me, and they did not line, like, they weren't, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, obviously they had things they were hiding too, but it's like, this kid's like, oh, um, you know, I don't know, something kind of not, I don't know what to think. But, like, my problems are, like, yeah, my, my dad punched my mom last night, or, like, you know, um, we are staying at my great-aunt's house because we're afraid to go home, or, like, my dad stole my birthday money because he wanted to go get more beer, or, you know, things like that. And I could tell these were not the stories happening in Sunday school. So I was like, we kept that. Because, really, church was where I could be, like, that girl, you know? I was never really that girl, but I could be close to that girl. Like, I could be, you know, one of those girls, but, yeah. Like a superstar? Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I was varsity at church. Like, I was really good. Like, I was the kid in Sunday school. If you ask the question, I had the longest, most holy answer. I, the, if you were like, will someone read? Read. I prayed, y'all. I prayed for so long one time. And, like, I just... It didn't dawn on me that I had this issue till I like got to college. And like one of my friends was like, you prayed so long, I, I got angry. And so like, I just, when I was a kid and I was around, I was seeking like so much approval in church. Church was where I could get a lot of praise. Like it was very easy for me to like perform well for, for church people. So I would literally pray and I would just keep praying until I heard, mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Amen. Like, when I would see heads starting on it, I'd be like, okay, we're going to wrap it, it up. I nailed like, it. I did. I did. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was a performer, for sure. Yeah. So how long did that go on? I mean, you were, you were trying to um, just fit in in this small town. You were a black girl in a, in a white town, in yeah. a white church, and you're doing everything you can to not be different and your home life to you feels really different and yeah. and wrong almost. So um but what how long did that go on for you? Like how old were you when you realized that that's what was happening? I think uh I don't, it's probably started in like elementary school. I could see that like uh I was di- like I was different people noticed that I was black and I did not look like most of the other kids. And I noticed that I was black, they knew. Um, It just became a thing. Like, I remember uh, probably the first time that I was like, okay, black is different from white, and some people don't like black, was like, I uh, was in elementary school, and I really liked this guy. He's, I can't tell you what he is now, because he's bad, he's bad. He's not, I don't feel great about him. Um, But uh, I just remember I liked him, and I was like, you know, I'm not subtle. I'm about as subtle as a gun. So I'm like, I tell, like, I, I tell people things. So I was like following this guy around the playground, of course. And I was just like, he looked at me and he was like, I don't, I don't like you. He's like, I, why would I like you? Like, your hair doesn't move when you run. And that was, I feel like that was such a strange critique. But um, I knew that he was pointing out, he was like, you do not look like the other girls. You're black. And it, I knew it was about me being black. And in that moment, I was like, I just felt like this, like, that won't happen again because you are not going to put yourself out there like that. 
and it was like a solid moment. Like it was, it's etched in my brain. I still remember it. I remember like the weather that day. I remember that moment. And it was like, you will never put yourself out there because this rejection is too deep and it's too, it's too real. And you'll never, we'll never do this again. Yeah. And so you wanted to be the strongest. Yeah. My and goal. never be weak. Yeah. Never be weak. Like never be vulnerable. Never like show. Like I feel like th- from then probably I wasn't really like myself. I felt like I was like my PR person. Like I was just like not being Iman. I was representing Iman. Like, I was, I was in charge of how she was perceived, and I never came in contact with who she actually was. But I was like, this is how she will be seen. This is how she will be respected. This is how she'll be loved. This is how she'll be feared. It was just, like, about my reputation. And I was like, I will not be this vulnerable in front of others again, and I will not feel rejection like this again. Because I felt it, too, elsewhere. It was just like, it was like, this is too real. So. And were you feeling it at home? The rejection? Yeah. I was because, like, my mom is, like, awesome. She's amazing. Um, But I was feeling at home because, like, in times where, you know, my dad is, like, drunk or he's, like, hitting us and everything, I always felt like my, my, I always felt like everyone was trying to escape me. Like, I felt like a burden. And so one, one thing that, like, solidified that, and it's like when you're a kid, you have these moments, like, these scenes that are, like, really stamped and I remember that day that um my dad was drunk which was normal and he was like hitting us and like really just like insane amount of discipline for something like really small he was abusing us and so um my mom came in and she was my mom also she had to carry everything because like my dad so my mom's kind of like gets tricked she marries this guy he changes after she marries. He doesn't have hold a job after that. He doesn't, he isn't like consistent about anything. So basically she's like trying to save that, all of that. So my mom, she comes in, she, she has to go back to work. She has to feed us because my dad isn't. Mm-hmm. And so she comes in one day and I just remember it was like a day where he was drunk and like we were always trying to like, it was like a thing where we were, it was like we were tattling on my dad mm-hmm. to like to tell my mom what was happening. And so we were very, like, we couldn't just say, like, mom, dad's doing this, or, like, mom, dad is, like, hitting us. Like, we didn't really do it. Like, you know, it's going overboard. So she just, like, comes in, and and she had to get something that day from lunch, and I just remember being like, this is it. I'm going to tell my mom. She's going to take us. She's going to put us in the car. We're going to get out of here, and that's going to be it. And when I tell my mom that this is, like, this is happening, we're gone. Like, she's going to rescue us. And so that day she came in, and I just remember being like, Mom, please, like, you know, just, like, he's hitting us. Like, I, I, like, I don't know what to do. Like, you know, just, like, being like, when you don't know when it's going to stop. You don't know if it's going to get worse. And I just remember her just, like, coming in, and it's just, like, getting what she needed, and she just, like, walked out. And it was very, like, it seemed like she had, like, this, this, like, shell like, on. And... For me, like, growing up, I always was, like, thinking, like, people don't actually love me. They're putting up with me. And that was, like, a thing that I was dealing with. And, like, it was in that moment that I feel like it felt solidified. It was, like, I am not wanting to connect with you, actually. I'm not wanting to see that you have, this is how you feel and this is how you're, you're scared. I'm just doing what I need to do because I feel obligated to. And so... 
yeah, from, from that moment, it was just like really hard. Like, I know that my mom had millions of things to carry because she was carrying our whole family. So I don't, I'm not angry at her. I'm not, there's things I couldn't understand at that time. But uh, the, it was that moment where I was like, I, I'm not loved by my mom. I'm, she's keeping up with me. Like I'm, like I'm You wanted to feel like enough of a reason for her to leave. Yeah, I wanted to feel like I feel uncomfortable. I feel, I f- like save me. I'm worth saving. Like, take me out of here. Yeah. Like, my discomfort, like, not even just being uncomfortable, but just like, you know, I'm, I'm worth it. Mm-hmm. You listen to me and you take me out of the situation. And uh, she was just like, the, re- the reaction I received from her was just like, validation is like, you're not worth it. Mm-hmm. And you, this isn't important to me. I do what I can to provide for you and to make sure that we look good as a family on the outside. But I'm not here, to, like, you know, she didn't feel, it didn't feel personal anymore. Mm-hmm. So after that, it's just like, just fighting the lie that, like, everyone who was my friend, everyone who loved me, every, it's just, they're just there because they have to be. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Yeah, it's not true. Um, and so your mom, she was putting on this front, too, and um, she eventually went to work at the church. Mm-hmm. So uh, my mom is a great singer, and she, like, was volunteering at the church, and then she eventually gets, like, hired. Um, that's kind of, like, like middle school or high school. But she, even before that, we were always at the church. And, um, yeah, we just had this perception as a family. We had this, um, you know, this is what happens behind closed doors, and we don't talk about it. And this is how we represent ourselves, like, in the public. Because we don't want to be real, because people will know we don't want to be vulnerable because they might not help. And like, we're also, we're black and everybody else is white. And so they're already looking at us. Well, not everyone, but people are already looking at us in a way that we, we can't mess up mm-hmm. because people are already looking at us. And yeah. Um, so did you know Jesus? If, church, if, if you're varsity at church, um, <laughs> Did you know Jesus and have an intimate relationship with him? And if, if that's not what you had, what, what did you have? I did not have an intimate relationship with Jesus. I got, like, I, I'm the kid who got saved, like, 17 times. Like, <laughs> I, I was like, oh, this D now, like, okay, everybody's going up. We're crying. Okay, we're going. All right. And then I was like, uh, it was just always, like, who's watching me walk down the aisle? Who's, who am I going to pray with? You know, like wow, that sermon was really good. And then there was like a lot of doubt. It was like, oh, wait, I think I got saved last time. Did I get saved last time? Let's do it again, just to make sure. And so it was a lot of, what was your question again? Well, was there a relationship with him? And Sorry. Yeah. There was not a relationship with Jesus. It was like, this is what I'm good at. This is, this is like where I can get the praise. Mm-hmm. This is where I can get the praise and where people will love me for, for how I'm able to perform. Mm-hmm. And they won't look at me because of the things I couldn't control. They'll be like, oh, Iman's so like good. She's so good at church. She's, she's great. So I just, yeah. yeah. I didn't know Jesus. I was performing and I just wanted something to be good at. I wanted to be respected. And so I yeah. was that girl. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when you think back on all those years with your folks in the same house, what upsets you the most? 
I think that like what upsets me the most is I feel like I knew I was going to say to this, but I'm sorry, I'm getting lost. Okay. I mean, I, I think when we've talked about, we've, we've talked a few times and just the, the always striving for your mom's affection was tough, but yeah. like waiting for her to, to leave. Yeah. So I really wanted my mom to leave my dad. Like that was something early on in my life that I mean, that's strange for a kid to want, but I, I was rooting for my mom to leave my dad from a very, very young age. I just knew that we would be better off. I knew that in the times that we were away from him because, you know, he would be in jail or he would, or just what we, we were better off without him. I understood that. And I felt safer when I wasn't around him. So So did uh, she ever leave? She did leave. She left when I was 12 years old. Okay. Um, So how old were you when you realized that you just couldn't pretend anymore? Like you couldn't keep up the performance life anymore? I was... I was in high school by this point. And like I said, I had been building like this reputation, basically. I just, I just wanted to be the perfect Christian girl. So I was like, people already look at me because they, they, I'm black and they don't like that about me or they think all these things about me because you know my mom's a single mom or you know all these things that I couldn't control. And so I just wanted to be perfect. And so when I get into high school, I'm, I'm doing pretty okay. And people don't think I'm perfect, but I'm doing okay reputation-wise. Like, I'm able to control that. Um, like, everything that you could do, I was doing it. I was literally, I was voted most involved. I was doing everything. <laughs> everything. I was always at the, ch- at the church or at school. I was never at home. And I was like, you know, good, I was FCA, uh, this club, that club, all the things you could be. I was speaking whenever they would let me talk. I was, like, doing everything. And I'd, I'd really, like, become, like, oh, Iman's, Iman's a good girl. And that's really what I wanted. And then uh, things started to, like, unravel. Like, I, I didn't want anyone to think that I was, like, capable of sin, let alone sin. Mm-hmm. And so I... So here's... Sorry. So... I'm in 11th grade, and I am in this classroom, and, and this girl, she had been, there's a girl, she'd been messing with me all year. She'd been bullying me really, like, giving me a really hard time, and I was... Why? Because I felt like when you're, when you're black and you have a lot of white friends, and you have, like, a lot of, like, you say you go to a church and there's a lot of white people there, and you just, you know, you have those friends, it's like sometimes people like your pe- black people or whoever will look at you and they'll be like, you know, like, oh, she, she thinks she's one of them. Or like she, you kind of lose your chance at that connection mm-hmm. with them. And also like the same thing, there are people who are gonna look at you and be like, you know, you're not, you're, why are you here with us? Like you're black, you should be with them. And so I felt like she didn't like me because like she thought I was trying to be something else. And then I felt like she also just was kind of mean. And so she was, <laughs> she was rude. And I was not the only person she was rude to. She also had, like, her own issues. Like, her, her, one of her parents was in the military. And, like, looking back, it was, it was, I'm sure things were hard for her. But she'd been messing with me all 11th grade. I was getting overwhelmed. And one day I was sitting with my friends in English. And there was a substitute this day. And he, uh, so we're sitting there. And she's just, like, I mean, she just thought up this, like, I'm going to really mess with her. And so she comes over to me. And this girl's been, like, relentless. Like, she's been wearing my nerves down all year. <laughs> she comes up to me, and she, like, gets some water in her hand, and she just, like, 
goes, achoo, like she just, I, could, I knew she didn't sneeze on me, but she wanted me to think that she sneezed on me, which was weird. But like she, she was just trying to like, she was harassing me basically. And like I was sitting with my friends who go to church with me and I'm just like, okay, I can't take it no more. And I was like these, like I was like y'all, like I was kind of like looking at them like, do you not see what's happening to me? Like does, does no one care? Does anybody stand up for me? Yeah, will anyone stand up for me? Like is this important to anyone that I'm just like being bullied right now or that? I, people won't leave me alone. Because you already have the fear that people Don't aren't care. there because yeah. they want to be there. Yeah, I already have like this thought in my head, this theme in my life, like people don't care about you, they don't love you, they're putting up with you. And so like this person comes over and like me in front of some of my best friends and just like throws water on me. And I'm just like, okay, anybody going waiting for them to speak up? No one speaks up. And so it's a sub that day, so he doesn't know me. <laughs> and I was looking, and I just felt like burning. You ever just felt like the heat just rise? Like, I was like, oh, it's about to go down. And so I, I looked at her, and I was like, Ugh. I stood up, and I was like, I'm trying not to say her name. I was like, girl, chill the F out. Stop throwing the D water on me. And like, that's so, some of y'all are like, wow, that's so stupid. But in that moment, I was like, oh. It was like, oh no, Iman, Iman knows cuss words. Like, <laughs> Iman just said a cuss word. She just yelled it to another person. And I was like, oh. I was like, I felt like this. I was burning angry, but I was, I felt like a, oh no. Like, uh. oh no. Like, people know. Mm. People know I'm not perfect. And so that situation, like, goes on. Like, I thought I was going to punch her in the face, but I did. And so I, like, one of my friends, like, tells me, like, I just walk off and I'm just, I just walked out of the classroom and I was just sobbing because I was just, like, I, I was upset because of what happened to me, but I was she also... exposed yourself. Yeah, but I, I felt exposed. I was, like, I have tarnished my image. I've ruined my image. And so I'm just, like, going to the principal. I, I got in trouble, but it wasn't that bad. But, yeah, my mom understood. It was fine. But it wasn't fine, but it, it was okay. But that moment, like, that was, like, kind of strike one. So, and then we, this is, like, happening all in the same month. Strike one. Strike two, my sister gets in trouble at school. And it's for something not worth talking about and not true. So she gets in trouble at school. And so then it's, like, my reputation. And then it's, like, my sister's reputation. And I'm literally, like, I'm panicking. I'm, like, this is, yeah. we're drowning people. Like, we're, we're, not, we're not achieving, like, the reputation that we need, which is the only thing I cared about. Yeah. And I really push that on my siblings, too. It's like, we got to be perfect. Like, get your stuff. Hold it together, people. Yeah, Yeah. hold it together. Let's get it right. And uh, then, like, the last third strike, last straw is, like, I'm, so I'm, my mom, she's into, you know, music ministry. She's singing all the time for everyone. And I'm on my way to this music practice with her, and I'm just going to sit in the pews while while she sings. And I had her phone, and I was just playing on her phone, and I was being nosy, like every person is. And I just saw this weird app, and it was called, like, the Pregnancy app. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is weird. And I clicked on it, and it had a countdown. And it was, like, a live countdown. Like, the seconds were going by. (laughs) And I was like, my mom had been dating someone at the time, but she was not married. And uh, I didn't like her. And so (laughs) I was like, wait. I was like, this is a pre what? I was like freaking out, but it was all like very real, like and then I realized it was like my my mom's pregnant mm-hmm. and she's a music minister and she's like 
my not married. Ma- I, not married. And, like, I just felt dread. Mm-hmm. And so, because I told y'all I'm super subtle, the moment we get back in the car to go home, I'm, like, shaking. And before we get out, I'm like, are you, are you pregnant? And she's like, Why, why'd you ask me that? So she is pregnant. And I just remember sobbing. Like from that, from the moment she said yes to probably I fell asleep that night sobbing because I was like, how can I recover from this? How can I, how can I take, what, what are people going to think of me? It felt, I, I, was, I knew I'd lost. I was like, I've been in trouble. My sister's been in trouble. Now my mom's pregnant out of wedlock and she works at a church. And I, I just felt like this, I, I can't undo this. And everything, everything you'd worked so hard for was just stripped down. Yeah. It's like my biggest, like my life's work. <laughs> Of, of having until 11th a, grade. Until 11th grade. My life's work of having a good reputation of being who people would love and would just think I'm so holy was like gone in like basically a month. And I just remember I, I was so angry and I was so, I felt so exposed. And it was, I, I was like, I can't be exposed in front of these people. They already like, People already think of me in horrible ways because I don't look like them. People already look at me. They know that my I don't have a dad in my home. They know that, like, they know all these things about me. And I just felt like I, I was so angry. I was like, how, why? Like, why me? Like, why, why do I have to be so vulnerable in front of people who refuse to show love to me and, like, refuse to, like, accept me? And, but in that moment, it was, like, rock bomb, like, rock bottom and so I was like all right God I guess I gotta care what you think of me and I guess I have to like it was like a moment where I was like okay what's what does God say about me because I'm done I'm through like I I really need to know how God feels about me and that's where it got real for me because like I told you I like got saved like 16 times but I got really saved in eighth grade and um, um I just knew that how did he start meeting you in that space of being stripped down? What did he do? Well, it was just like I had nowhere else to turn. It was like I could go to church and get praise. I could go here and get praise. I could get praise on my teams. I could do other things. I could find people to tell me I'm good at stuff. And it was like, nope, everyone's going to have an opinion about you. They're going to have an opinion about your family. And you're you're done. And then... I come to God, and it's like his, his word is telling me complete opposite. And I'm like, this is this true for me? And it is. So I think I really, I, I went to God because there was, there was nowhere else. There was nowhere else to get praise at that point. Um, so, yeah, like what did your relationship, how did it grow with him then? Because you didn't have that intimate relationship before. Yeah. Well, I think all these things like just made me like, I was like, okay, I I care what God thinks about me. Like there was like a solid moment. It was like, all right, you need to find some truth, and you need to find it quick, and you need to you need to understand who you are in Christ, and you need to realize that you're loved by Him because things are gonna get real like rocky, and things did get rocky, and everywhere I turned, you know, there was always some opinion about me. 
or there was always some pre like some assumption about who I was or how I was as a person. But when I went to God, it was like, nope, like, yeah, I know all of that. Mm-hmm. I'm fully aware of all of that. And I still love you. And like, one of my biggest things is like, I just, I didn't want, like I said, I was like my PR person. Like no one really knew me. And I didn't really want them to mm-hmm. because it's like, who wants to expose themselves completely and then be completely unloved? And then that was just too much rejection for me to deal with. And so I just kept kept myself to myself. And then after that, I was like, all right, I, I'm going to be who I am. Or I started to be who I am, really. Because yeah. it, took, it took, I'm still like working at that. Mm-hmm. It's like being myself and not being who you need me to be. And like, uh, I know Ellen shared one time, she was like, she was. Shapeshifter. Yeah, shapeshifter. And uh, same, like I was, okay, I'm in this group. I need to be this girl. Mm. Or I would just like, in Sunday school, I had heard like this one time. It was a great quote, but I totally took it out of context. It was like, uh, the, best mista- the best mistakes in life are someone else's. And so I took that as, okay, so you're telling me I never have to make a mistake again? <laughs> like I could just look at all the crap in other people's lives and just learn from that and be perfect? cool and so I was just like okay that person did that wrong this person's good at that I was just like collecting like different things to like build this iman that everyone would love Mm -hmm. and I just couldn't be known because I was so sure that there was not love on the other side of being known of being exposed and found out Mm -hmm. and I have this quote I feel like it fits um it's by Tim Keller and it says to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial which is exactly all the love that I was feeling was superficial, all the approval that I had. Because so to be known and not loved is a, our great fear. It was my biggest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved, well, is a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty that life can throw at us. And that was just so true about my life because obviously I was... You can imagine what type of sister I was trying to be perfect and like how self-righteous I was. And just, it, it just, I could let go. Mm-hmm. So who are you in Christ? I am seen. I am fully, I'm fully known. Like that quote, I, I don't know if it's dawning on you how, those two things don't show up together, to be fully known and completely loved. Like if a person knows everything about you, you can almost bet you're gonna, you're gonna have some people that aren't your fans. And if you are fully loved, it's because you're hiding something. It's because you're not showing all of yourself. And I experienced both of those. And then I go to God and I'm fully known and fully loved. Like that makes, like what is this? Of course I'm in, of course. Of course, sign me up. Like, I'm ready to go. Like, God is like, no, I know everything about you. Everything. Yeah, that's stuff that you will not tell people. I know everything. And come here, what are you waiting for? Like, come to me. Which is nothing I had ever experienced from a human. Mm -hmm. So I was, obviously that changed me. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that the struggles stop. No, yeah. So, um... You understand God's unconditional love for the first time. But that doesn't mean that you're going to stop going to the well in the hottest part of the day over something. Because you still 
yeah. are going to struggle and there's still sin. So what's been your ongoing struggle? So, like, I definitely identify with the woman at the well. Just, like, I'm not trying to be seen at all. I'm trying to get out of the way, get what I need to get done, and come back. Um, so I saw pornography at a really young age, like a super young age. Like, it was... I, I cannot remember, like, some of my early... Ch- like, I have very early childhood memories of, like, finding a magazine or flipping to a channel that was obviously not meant for me. Mm-hmm. And it, it really... I, I encountered it before I knew what I was looking at, before I knew what it was. Like, I was like, what's this? And at first, I was, like, naive, like, you know. And then I knew, I was like, okay, I'm not supposed to see this, but I don't really know what it is. Mm-hmm. And so that just, like was a secret I was always holding. It was like that I'd seen pornography. And then it was more than a secret. Obviously, I get older and I figure out like feelings and puberty and all these things. And so I always, from a, probably starting in like uh, middle school, I start to struggle with pornography. And it's completely a secret because I cannot let anybody know because I'm trying to like hold my life together by a good reputation. And so it was like, it wasn't always constant. It was like I would see and I would just like have like a really horrible week. And then I would just cry and like ask God to like help me. And then I would, I would, you know, deal with that. I wouldn't deal with it for a couple of months, but I would always come back and it would always just like grab, like take me in. Because it really, I don't know, I really felt like there wasn't, there was not a, you know, mature mom that hadn't already seen it. You know, I, it was just, it was like it was too late. Yeah. That's how I felt. It's like it's too late for me. I I can't get over this. But, yeah, I struggle with it, and I never told anybody, like, ever. So when did you finally tell somebody? I finally told people in college. Okay. So I you, think, came, you came to college, and you got involved in the college ministry here at yeah. Shandon. And then yeah, is that when you started to experience gospel community and how to live in accountability with people. Yeah, I had like a, a pretty, I mean, my accountability in high school was, was good. Like my church, uh, they really had a strong like disciple, like a discipleship. Yeah, but they know. didn't know you. But they didn't know me. Yeah. They didn't know they're really mine. And so uh, I think the one time I ever told someone in, in high school was like at FCA camp, like in two states over. I was like, no one's ever going <laughs> to see me again. <laughs> No one knows anyone that I know. So I'll tell the, that one random person, get them to pray for me. And that was the only time I'd ever mention it. And so freshman year, I get here, and I'm like, wow, I have the, you know, you get to be real. I'd already been through all of this, you know, stuff, been exposed in high school. So there was an opportunity to, you know, be what people liked again in college. But um, so I had struggled with it freshman year. And there was one day that I was, like, watching it before I went to class. And this is, like, the biggest blessing, but also, like, not a blessing at the same time. I put my computer back in my book bag, and I grab my book bag to go to class. My computer slips off my bed and cracks. Like, it's broken. And so I'm, like, an instant punishment. I'm, like, okay, God, like, you really, that was quick. And so um, I'm, like, wow, that was quick. Um, And so it was, like, that moment where I was, like, like, I was weirdly, like, thank you, Lord, like, Thank you. Thank you for taking that from me. Like, thank you for showing me that this is, like, alarming. Like, my sin is not, it's not 
you know, something, oh, you know, and like, it's alarming. It is out to get me. It's out to kill me. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to tell somebody. I was scared. I never told anyone because like, you know, you're a girl. So pornography is like seen very different, um, I feel like, for a woman than it is for a man. Like a man is like very understandable. You're like, oh, men struggle with pornography. Of course, like they're men. But it's like women growing up, at, you know, in at the the retreats, they take the boys over there, like, don't watch pornography. The girls are like, wear longer skirts. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> literally, it's like, treat us like it's very right. different struggles. Yeah, they, there's just an assumption that yeah. girls don't look at it. But then how did that, I hate to sound, how did that make you feel? How did that make you feel, like, as somebody that did struggle with something that you're thinking is not even supposed to be a girl's issue? Yeah, it's, it just solidified my shame. I was like, I am ashamed of this because it's sin and I know I'm not supposed to do it. And then I'm like, I'm sinning wrong. Like, I'm not even sinning the right way. I'm like, I'm doing boys' sins and I'm a girl. And so I I just felt like when they know, I just knew it. I was like, when they know, I'm I'm done. They're going to look at me. They're going to say, Iman, you're disgusting. Iman, you're... Like, I just felt like I was going to be... Like, people were going to have disgust that people were going to be just... They couldn't take it. That they were gonna be like, oh, okay, I don't know how to solve this. You gotta go somewhere else. Like, just don't tell anybody else. Like that. That's what I thought the reaction was gonna be. But then I, I, I realized like uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell somebody. I'm gonna tell somebody because this is trying to kill me, and it killed my computer already. So <laughs> I told my, I told, I don't know, I told Babs, I told some of my friends uh, in my small group, I told my mentors, Amanda, and uh, you know, uh, I had a mentor before her, and I, I've told. Yeah, I just I just started telling people. <laughs> Not everybody, but I was just like, I'm struggling, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know how to think correctly in these situations. I'm 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 struggling. I need help. And so then, y'all, the the release mm. that you feel like not just with what I was talking about when you when you expose sin, which is exactly what you're supposed to do, when you say, I'm struggling with this, I'm dealing with this, you it just loses all its all its power, all its teeth. It's like the monster under the bed. Like, you're like, sure, it's horrible. And then you shine a light down there, and it's like, what were you scared of? And so I just... My God is so much bigger. Yeah, and it was a level of vulnerability that I never was going to allow myself to feel Mm -hmm. prior to that because I was like, I have to be perfect. And perfection, in my head, perfection is attainable. I'm just not trying hard enough. And everything you're bad at, we just won't do that. We just don't want to try those things. And what you're able to master, that's what we're going to ride on. And you're just going to be perfect to people. And people are going to love you. And you're going to be, everything's going to be great. And when I revealed that to people and told people about that, it just, I just knew. I was like, but they're still here. Like, you know, it, it, it was a weight lifted off. So what did you learn about accountability like going forward that it's huge that it's accountability is like you're for anything yeah there're going to be days where you cannot see the light of day you cannot see the truth you cannot you can't get past that feeling that thought that memory any of those things and there's got to be some people to like grab you and say no you're coming with me mm. like no I'm not going to let you die here by yourself you're coming with me I'm going to pick you up I'm going to take you and there's yeah, so I, when I told people, when I, I told Amanda, um, like I had 
Covenant Eyes like install, installed on my uh, phone. What's that? Covenant Eyes is this program that um, uh, Christians use, or church can use. I don't know. Maybe others use it too. But it filters your your internet, your browsing. Basically, makes it impossible for you to search certain things. Makes it impossible for you to access certain content on the internet. Sometimes it's annoying, but it's useful. And so, um, yeah, I got that on my phone, and I got that on my computer, and I just just said, I'm, I'm going to confess. And I'm going to confess before I need to confess. I'm going to say, guys, I'm struggling right now. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm, I'm having, dealing with a lot of lust right now. Mm-hmm. Please pray for me. Like, let me get out of my house. Like, let me, let me go hang with a friend. You know, just like ways to just flee sin. Mm-hmm. Like flee. Like get up and run. And yeah, accountability was awesome. And it was like another testament that God, like, that God was saying, like, you're not too bad. Like, you're not that I can't come get you. You're not too far that I, that I can't scoop you up. Like, it's very attainable, and it's my mission to have you. And so to have that exposure and acceptance from my friends was like, was like a wave of grace that I was not expecting. Yeah. And so you, you grew up in your relationship with the Lord in the college ministry, and... Um, that's where you really experienced him for the first time and other believers in that gospel community. Um, and you learned to be authentic and transparent with other believers. But um, where did that lead you on mission? Yeah, uh, coming to Shannon College Ministry was awesome. And just to see the change that's happened since I've come and, and left, it's amazing. Uh, I remember I was like, missional? Like, what's that? I was just worried about being like a good Christian. I was just worried about my reputation. Like, Christianity... I was a Christian and, it, and God was working on me, but what it, what it did in my life was it made me, it, it gave me like a, I don't know, a notch. It gave me like, a, this is what I'm good at. Like, I'm a Christian and, and this is what makes me a good person. And then in college, it was like, missional, like what? And so my friend Hampton, he asked me, the real, the real experience that took me like to a different place is uh, my friend Hampton, he was gonna be working for Generation Send the North American Mission Board, and he said, will you come to Boston with me? And I had been praying, y'all. I had been praying. I was stuck in Gaffney all summer after freshman year. And so I had been praying that God would give me a way to not be in Gaffney <laughs> and to just be somewhere new. And I wanted, I was like, I want to, I don't know, something, I just prayed. I prayed every, I prayed all the time that summer. And it's like the moment I came back to school, my friend Hampton was like, will you go to Boston? And I was like, let me pray about it. The, the answer was yes, but I was like, let me pray about it. And it was yes. And so, I went to Boston the summer after my sophomore year, and uh, GenSend was like a program that put teams of students together and sent them to uh, places that uh, where the gospel was like not very known, where the where like there aren't many churches, aren't many like biblical gospel-centered churches, and they would send them there, and you would get a community, and you would kind of like study that community, and you would interact with that community, and you would kind of put together like a report at the end of the summer of like, if a church plant came here, this is what, this is how they could interact with this community successfully, and so we had Ashmont, uh, which we call like Cashmont or Trapmont, if you're, it's great, um, nicknames, and so I, <laughs> I, yeah, we went to Ashmont, and that whole summer, I was just like, wow, it is so hard for me to even 
get a hold of someone. Like, I couldn't, like, here I lived, like, on this wonderful street, having this great experience with my friends. We would go into Ashmont, and it was like, oh, there's that person that I've never met before. And I didn't have any connections. It was great. I learned how to be missional. I learned, but what it really did is it just made me, the whole summer I was like, it is so easy for me to be missional, like, back in Preston. I lived on campus all four years, and I, I lived in this place called Preston. And I was like, I'm trying to share the gospel with these people, but they don't know me. Like, we have nothing in common. We, I have nowhere where I can see them on the regular basis. I, I just, it's like, you know, talk to a stranger, hope they accept Christ. But one thing Jen Sen did is like, it just, it just pointed out the huge flaw. I was like, Iman, you are surrounded by people who don't know Christ. You have all the connections you're begging to have here in Boston. So yeah. do it at home, go, go home, home and do, do it. it. So it's almost like Boston sent me back to Columbia. And like, yeah. And so I just, it just became like, I was like, it's so easy to do life with people. And it it really, it really changed the way I interacted with all my neighbors and all my friends. And uh, I I definitely think I I lived out the rest of college after that. Mm -hmm. Way more missional than I came in. Probably missional as opposed to not missional when I came in. Um, so how are you today, like the woman at the well, when you, when you tell people about Jesus and when you seek these opportunities, she, she ran and left the well and went back to her town and told everybody all about him. What would, what do you go tell people? I just love to hope and make people realize that you think like you're, you think you're too dirty. Like you think that what you're dealing with is out there. But God sees it already. He sees it. You can't hide anything from him. He, you, like, it comes back to being fully known and fully loved. Like, where do those two things happen? Mm -hmm. Do you want to not have to pretend anymore? Do you want to not have to worry about building a reputation and trying to keep it perfect and never do anything wrong in front of people? Do you want to fully be loved? Like, really loved? Like he loves you and you haven't even gotten to like that screwed up part of your life yet that you, you ain't even fixed the other stuff yet. And he loves you. Like he couldn't, he couldn't love you more tomorrow because he already loves you. His love is complete today. And so when I, I just, I just, I don't know, I just kind of laugh. I just feel joy about like, what do you think is too bad? Yeah. Like hit me. What do you think is just too try. bad? Just try me. What do you think is too bad? It's not too bad. Yeah. And I just think that you know, when I'm witnessing some of my friends who deal with, like, some really hard stuff, it, I just I just can't wait to show them that. Like, it's just, there's grace for you, too. There's room for you. He'll come get you, too. He came and got me. Who wants to expose themselves fully and then be completely unloved? This is what Iman says, you guys, and this is the root of it. We are such fools. Why do we hide? We are afraid we won't be loved. We are hiding from God so He won't know who we really are. Luke 8.17 says, For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. How many of us are hiding? How many of us don't want the world to know something about us, something we think, something we did, We hide what we are insecure about. We hide the parts of us that are different. 
The world has this terrible way of making us think that our differences are shameful, that our circumstances or our mistakes should be buried. No, no, that's not the world. That's Satan. Holding on to shame is a win for Satan. Believing that we are less worthy because our mistakes or because of what we look like, that's the enemy. Because those beliefs rip at the core of who God made us to be. And God gifted us with our unique selves. He gifted us these unique circumstances to do something very specific and very special, to share the gospel. So hear me when I say this, we are already fully known. We are already fully loved. You are already fully known. You are already fully loved. Please email us if you need help understanding this or if you want someone to pray with you, women at shandon.org. Thank you so, so much for listening to this month's The Well podcast. Please share this with your friends and rate it on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Come and see us at Shandon Baptist Church for our next Well event. Our schedule is linked on the episode.